Welcome to Third Eye Education. Today we are talking with Craig Kemp, the education technology guru who just launched EduSpark World. Craig Kemp is also a podcast host and speaker who is originally from New Zealand but lives in Singapore, so he brings us a worldwide perspective. To start with, your infamous EdTech guru, and we tend to see technology as a tool to help teachers achieve specific instructional goals, but never really as a replacement for a teacher, which uh, certainly some ed tech attempts to be. Uh, we'd love to hear either why we're wrong or a smarter interpretation of those thoughts on technology. Where do you land philosophically and pedagogically in that conversation? As you're sharing that, it really gets me thinking because it's something that does align really well with what I believe as well. You know, I think you're pretty spot on here. One of the strongest beliefs that I hold, uh, you know, I'm an, an ex-EdTech director. Uh, I was the EdTech director at a large American international school here in Singapore for uh, four years, 3,500 students, you know, 400 staff. Our role was to authentically and purposefully use technology to add value to learning. So for me, technology is a tool that's driven by pedagogy. It's something that adds value to learning. You know, it doesn't make the learning. It's critical, you know, it's using technology is a critical skill for our teachers to harness, but every context is different. And we shouldn't be using technology for the sake of using it. You know, I often say some of the best lessons I've ever seen are not using a device, you know, they're using pen and paper. So identifying that a device is in a laptop or a mobile device is just another tool that can add value to our learning. Because often in schools, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, probably not in your district, but in the stuff that you've seen online, that we often get it wrong. We often forget about culture and strategy in, in schools. And for me, there are two key elements that I believe need to be present uh, and well-established prior to rolling out any innovations or initiatives when it comes to technology. And the last thing that sort of springs to mind as you ask that question is, the use of frameworks to really categorize and analyze uh, the way we think about using technology. So for me, the two frameworks that I always use and think about are the SAMA model and the TPAC model. You know, the two models um, that I really love to use as a way of thinking. You know, you don't have to write down the way you use technology using these, but I always love working with people to identify where in this framework you know, SAMA model in particular, created by Ruben Putendera, um, you know, really help us establish how and why we should be using technology to add value to learning. For a listener who's thinking to themselves, man, am I using technology wrong? Can you walk us through how they could self-assess? Yeah, really good question. You know, for, for me, it's go back to the beginning. You know, what is your context what is it that you're trying to achieve? You know, do you work with three and four-year-olds? Do you work with 18-year-olds? Do you work with adults? You know, and, and the answer for me always lies in your why. So I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek and his work. You know, he says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And I've always been a believer in really identifying your why and what's your why for using technology. If you can't justify the use of your technology in your classroom or in your role, don't use it. You know, it's as simple as that. And I think taking a step back to basics 
is where we need to begin. You know, I think we often get caught up in the buzzwords and, and the new pieces of technology, but, you know, you don't have to be at the same level as everyone else. You know, if you're making a difference in the lives of the people that you work with every day, that's the priority. Use technology that adds to your learning. Um, and then you can start looking at models like SAMA. You know, SAMA is created by Ruben Putendere, you know, at the, at the most basic level, it's substitution. You know, that's like my kids used to write in textbooks. Now we, you know, use Google Docs. There's no functional change, but we're using a tech tool to, you know, substitute that out. And as we move um, to more transformational practices, like, um, you know, modification and redefinition, we start looking at things that didn't exist before, you know, starting to add things, tools like Moat or Floop that allow us to connect and engage in experiences that we couldn't do when we were writing in books, you know, bringing in peer feedback, bringing in teacher audio comments, um, sharing their voice to the world and getting authentic uh, global feedback from people in countries everywhere. You know, these are the sorts of things that were previously inconceivable, but by stepping through a process, connecting online, like we talked about, you know, for me, Twitter is, has been the greatest growth for me as a, an educator and a place that I go to to ask questions. And, you know, I know it's the same for you guys as well. And I, I just love the opportunity to connect and engage. So, you know, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's sort of where my mind goes. Absolutely. One question that I want to follow up on there is that, so, you know, Craig, we have a, an article coming out, and this is probably like two months out, actually, uh, but we have a, a writer of ours, uh, Swita Patel, who has um, a piece that's coming out about how we have to be cautionary with things like teachers pay teachers, right? And I don't know exactly what angle she's going to take on it, but one angle that I, I'm guessing she might take on it is that there's an element of, of it removes some of the thought process as we're creating tools, right? If, if it, the why that you're talking about. So we might go to teacher pay teachers or Pinterest or whatever and find something that looks amazing, works really well. But if we don't understand why the looks matter, if we don't understand the why it's working well, will it actually in fact translate to good practice? And I can see the same thing being true with educational technology. Do you have any thoughts on how we can be more cognizant in the why we're choosing each ed tech piece that we're choosing? Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one because, you know, we, we over the past you know, two years, we've been in this COVID mess and, you know, we've had all sorts of companies throwing stuff at us, you know, all sorts of stuff given to us for free. Has it added value to us? Well, it depends on, on who, the context, and, and what we were able to get from it. But, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that while we've increased the number of tech tools that have been provided to us and given to us, I don't think that we've increased the efficacy of them. I don't think we've actually changed the, the way we do things with technology. I don't think tech companies are pushing enough boundaries. I don't think we're, you know, being transformational. I think we're, we're still working when I, I pull it back to that SAMA model. I think we're just substituting. I think we're just providing more things to add to our ed tech stack than solving problems. So, you know, for me as an ex tech director in a school, one of the things that I always strive to do was identify tools that add value. And often that comes down to listening to people. You know, I don't, 
you have to have processes in schools, you know, in a school that has turnover, you know, I'm sure in your district, you have people turning over that want to be in your school, they move on. And, you know, when you get someone new to a school, they come with their own ideas um, and their own beliefs and their own tech stack, you know, all of that. And if we every year continue to, to bring in new tools and change new things and uh, without any process and identifying the value in that tool, then we very quickly lose control of that. So I think identifying a really clear process in choosing the tools that we use and a really clear timeline, you know, be really transparent about the tools that we're bringing in. You're not just going to come in tomorrow and go, hey, I'm going to roll out, you know, a new tool to 300 kids overnight. Um, because one, you're not going to have the capacity to be able to do that. And two, you know, how can you justify that it's going to make a difference? Yes, test and trial, give things a go. But we have to be able to you know, justify. And if we're not comfortable justifying, then to me, that sort of shows that we're not comfortable in you know, really talking about our pedagogical process and, and that why in the first place. Something that makes that conversation more complex about being purposeful in uh, choosing the right technology for you is having a belief that that technology will stay around, continue to make itself uh, updated or relevant, uh, not add, you know, paywalls. I'm thinking about the last time we made a, a major shift at Dover Yoda, and it's been a few years now. We were trying to choose what platform to use as our hub, and we were choosing between uh, paid platforms like D2L or uh, Google Classroom or Microsoft Teams, and we came down to, well, we can pretty confidently say that uh, Google Classroom will stick around because they want to indoctrinate our children. And uh, <laughs> they have that motivation to stay free and to continue to update. And they're a big enough company that they'll be able to do so. Whereas, you know, thinking back, there you know, are platforms like Moodle that kind of kept going down in quality. Uh, or there is a platform called North Star here in Minnesota that's just gone now. Uh, and if you'd invested heavily in those, uh, you'd be out of luck. Uh, so in that process of making these selections that are best pedagogically, how do you weigh that balance of, you know, what's, uh, what's driving the company doing it? Are they going to continue to be free? Are they going to continue to be of quality? How do you, how do you weigh all of that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good call out. You know, it got me thinking of a, a school group that I was working with here in Asia and some of the investments that I've seen them make uh, over the past 12 months in the work that we're doing and, and get out of those contracts and move to different contracts and agreements. And, you know, there's always conversation about free versus paid and the value and, you know, who's going to be around long term and, and who's going to be there to transform the, that learning uh, alongside you. You know, one of the first things that I always do, I actually do three things when I'm identified a new tool or an asset or something that can, I, the first thing I do is I check out their social profiles. I see what they're doing online. I see if they have people in place. And one of the roles that I love that a lot of companies have are community managers, you know, people that are there to support people. You know, it shows me that if you're hiring a teacher to work with teachers, then you're going to be a company that I'm that I'm interested in learning more about. Number two is uh, I actually go to review sites. Uh, I, I go to 
two places actually the first place i go to is common sense media and i go and explore what people are saying about them via common sense media the second place i go to uh, is a, a website called edtechimpact.com uh, and i read reviews and testimonials from people um edtech impact is for me one of the most powerful places to go and check out testimonials of product uh because it's real and it's relevant um and it's something actually that a lot of people haven't heard of um, that they're reasonably new, but, but they do have some really cool reviews on there as well that I really love. And the third thing that I do uh, is I ask around and I, I reach out on Twitter and I chat to people. I, I try and get connections of people who have used it before. I want to chat to people who hate it. I want to chat to people who love it. You know, I want to dive deep into, you know, the real reasons why people have got rid of it or the real reasons why people continue to, to use it. And for me, that's the process I use with everything. And sometimes that process is long and arduous and sometimes it's fast and easy. And um, I think if, if you're consistent with your process, it doesn't have to be the same as my process, but I think if you're consistent with a process uh, to dive deep and then that gives you uh, a sense of comfort that what you're doing is the right choice, uh, if it aligns with strategic goals and and you know you're you're actually matching that with professional learning that supports staff and, and bringing on board new tools, I think that's the, the all important components of of making this work. I want to echo common sense media. Good choice. Uh, there, if you've been in ed tech a long time, it used to be called graphite. Uh, uh, so yes, uh, uh, if you lost track of graphite, it's common sense media now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Craig, I've got another question for you. Um, are there technologies that are like so vital to our students that they should be taught everywhere? I mean, Nick tossed around an example uh, in, in some of our communications about uh, incorporating artificial intelligence into the curriculum as early as kindergarten is something that's really common in China. Mm -hmm. um, what are we missing like in our schools here in the U.S. or worldwide? Yeah, it's a... Uh... Again, it's an awesome question. And it's something, you know, I, I've been in Asia now for 10 years. Um, and the rate of change with technology in this part of the world is crazy. Um, for the past two and a half years, I've been working with schools, districts, companies from all over the world. Um, and one of the things that I have noticed is the willingness to just jump at new buzzwords or trends um, is starting to die off a little bit, which I'm really pleased about. You know, I think COVID has given us a bit of a reality check. You know, we've we've jumped at things too quickly, too often, um, and I think that now we we are more able to make a better judgment uh, as to what is relevant and what is important. I think we've been able to upskill our teachers, a more core group of teachers to be better at using technology to add value to the learning in their classroom. I think it's helped um, force that rate of change in a lot of our schools and districts that we've been trying to push for a long time. Uh, and that's definitely helped. And you know, one of those examples for me is uh, you know, augmented reality. Um, a huge amount of augmented reality companies over the past five years or so, but very few that have had success. Um, and a lot of that comes down to, you know, are schools 
ready for these technologies? Are schools ready to change? And previously, the answer's been no. Um, you know, and I, and I think when I, I use the example of AR, augmented reality, I look at a company um, called Hologo World, H-O-L-O-G-O, a company that produced some AR assets many years ago, um, wasn't successful, realized that the time wasn't right, went away and have worked their butts off to get it right. And now where people are more ready are coming back hard and their assets are amazing. Their focus is incredible. Um, you know, and that's just one example uh, of a technology. You know, one of the, the trends that I was just chatting to someone about a little bit earlier on that I'm seeing in schools, particularly here in Asia, um, is to do with language learning and actually looking at coding or computational thinking as a language choice um, alongside world languages which I really like. I like the idea of kids having the choice of what language you want to choose. It's not just, you know, Mandarin or Spanish or Italian. It's potentially coding or sign language, you know, give people choices that meet their needs. And one of those changing needs are, are being able to identify, you know, coding and computational thinking in that. I think one of the other things that, um, you know, Nick, you've rightly pointed out is artificial intelligence and AI. Um, I think people have jumped on that, that bandwagon now of it being important. They've seen it. Um, it's not just a scary thing that's been seen in movies or, you know, in, in, on television series, but now it's the reality of our everyday life. You know, it actually does add value to us. It helps us. It makes our choices easier and better. You know, it, it's not something that I think we have to be experts in. But I think it's something we have to be comfortable with. Um, you know, that also fits the mold for trends at the moment, like uh, non-fungible tokens, NFTs and blockchain technology, you know, things that people are, are throwing around all the time. We don't have to be experts in these things, but we do have to know what they're all about because we're going to see them. We're going to hear about them. But, you know, we don't have to have that deep-seated understanding of it as long as we're comfortable um, with how and why they work. Um, one of the other call-outs, I think, is, um, and Heather, you identified this earlier on, uh, was well-being and the critical importance of not just the focus on student well-being, uh, teacher well-being, leader well-being, but also you know, community well-being, making sure that we look after each other, we have things in place that support that. So, you know, I'm starting to look at, at ed tech companies that um, can support in this space. You know, how can technology help enhance our ability to look after each other? You know, how can wellness-based tools support the things we do in our schools? An example of that is uh, a company called ClanBeat out of Estonia. Um, I love their work. I love what they're doing. Again, they are a company that, you know, I think is just starting their journey. Um, I like going towards these sort of unknown companies sometimes because uh, I actually follow people based on who's behind a business, you know, their beliefs um, that they're probably not in it for the money, they're in it for the change. And I do often do quite a bit of research into the people behind a business, um, you know, so that's why I mentioned Hologo, that's why I mentioned ClanBeat. That's why I mentioned Common Sense Media and, and EdTech Impact, you know, people that actually want to make a difference. 
Because I think this whole idea of staying up to date is critical, but also critical is trying new things, pushing boundaries, taking risks, um, you know, not getting stuck in the idea of um, probably one of the most dangerous phrases in education. This is the way I've always done things. And, you know, every district community school has these things. So for me, it's, you know, how do we move beyond that? If that resonates with uh, you, our, our listeners, uh, Craig has the Ignite EdTech podcast. Uh, you can find an episode with uh, Heather Lake and myself uh, coming out, I assume, in the near future. Uh, uh, and uh, Craig, you have a portion of your podcast called Quick Fire Questions. We have something very similar called In the Blink of Three Eyes. Uh, would you be nice. ready for our blinks? Let's do it. All right. One of our reasons why we have in the blink of three eyes, Craig, is because we really do value influence, innovation, and inspiration. We want to make sure that those are highlighted. So tell us what podcast, book, show, or whatnot has been influencing your thinking lately. Yeah, I'm a, a huge podcast fan. I love podcasts. So one of my call outs is not an education podcast. It's called the Creative Confidence Podcast from IDEO. Um, it's one of my favorites. It talks uh, with entrepreneurs, creative thinkers. It's, it's a must listen. And I'm going to throw one other one in there as well. A book that I'm reading for the second time. I mentioned him earlier on. It's Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Good choices. All right. Question two. We really value innovation. What's one innovation that you've seen recently or would really like to see yeah, I think um, I've, I've actually highlighted them already, but I think AR and well-being are two areas where I think can be really influential uh, and innovative in the education space. I don't think we've seen enough in this space already. So I look forward to, you know, companies like Hologo, Clanbeat, and multiple others doing incredible things in this space. But I look forward to them innovating and pushing boundaries, but also how we can jump on board that and help them uh, be better and bigger. I'm gonna, before we ask you the third question, I just have to say, Craig, that I'm so excited hearing you talk about the wellness piece. Uh, we're currently working with Amit Sood and his daughter, Gori Sood, who have recently uh, written some new curriculum for our youngest learners called Happy Genius. Um, and they're just doing really cool things. And I love the innovation of having a senior in high school um, helping to write curriculum for kids. Um, anyways, That's just... Awesome had to jump on board with that. Um, as cool. The last question for us is listeners inspired by today's conversation may want to take action on their learning. What might that first action be? Yeah, great question. For me, it's, I alluded to this earlier on, it's connect, engage, and follow. So build a professional learning network. You know, for me, it's Twitter, uh, for you, it could be anything, LinkedIn, the people in your building, a conference network, you know, ask questions um, and don't be scared to reach out, uh, you know, with me in particular. I'm here. I love to chat. Uh, I love to share and I love to collaborate. What a nice way to, to end our blinks. Uh, <laughs> we are the exact same way, Craig. I hope that we can stay in contact and, and uh, uh, help each other out however is possible. And what a pleasure collaborating with you today. Absolutely, Nick and, and Heather. Thank you both so much for having me. And thanks for uh, staying up so late, uh, Singapore time, so that we could line up our time frames. Absolutely. I've loved it.
Got so much more to do. You got me energized now, so I might not be able to sleep. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much to Craig Kemp for our conversation today. As always, thank you to Dover Yoda, to our podcasters, Nick Truxel, Michael Carolyn, and Heather Like. Thank you also to Michael Terrell for doing our music. Also, please take a minute and share on social media whatever it is that you enjoy about Third Eye Education. And then please join us for future episodes with Terry O'Reilly and Joy Scott Ressler.